they always seem to have such an easy time getting back into shape. And for me, because that visual aspect of my own persona and being like what I would consider visually appealing to other people has always been so important to me. The journey of eating disorder recovery, like segueing into motherhood has been very hard on me. And recently my daughter even asked me in the kitchen if I was pregnant again because I was bloated and I was just letting it go and I wasn't trying to suck in. And little did she know that that really actually broke my heart and kind of tore me into a million pieces. But also it was something where I wasn't going to openly show her how much that hurt my feelings because it's not her job to make me feel secure, like point blank. It is my job to be secure enough in myself to be able to take the truth of a toddler and then adapt how I move forward from it. And honestly, she always talks about wanting another another brother. So could just be something that was, you know, top of mind for her. She's literally said to me before at night when I've been snuggling her, mommy, I want a puppy and I want another brother. And I'm like, okay, honey, <laughs> let's make do with a brother that we do have and then we'll talk. But I do think that the comparison factor that wasn't there for my parents' generation that's there for us now creates more hardships than it necessarily does benefits the current generation. However, having said that, I do think that there are a lot of people with really good intentions that are online today that are sharing tips, advice, experiences, opportunities for learning and for growth, and just day-to-day that you don't necessarily talk about with all of your girlfriends, but sometimes it's nice to be able to actually just put it out online and feel like it's going into the ether instead of like it's going to one direct person in particular. So you have this more collective whole of people that can actually respond and benefit, learn, share, grow experience with you. And that's one of the things that I think has been a huge benefit to our generation today is that we do have resources available. Like you can search for something, a topic that you're struggling with or that you want to learn more about by literally entering a hashtag into an online application with billions and billions of people on it. That is frankly like pretty spectacular. However, I do still think that that can reinforce some of that negative self-image and negative self-talk that is so pervasive for people like me who have always talked badly or negatively about themselves inwardly but for any like friends if you have any friends in your life that talk negatively about themselves openly I guarantee you that the negative self-talk that they say inwardly is 10 times worse and often quite drastic in terms of what actually comes out of their mouths sometimes I'll actually catch myself and I've been working a lot more on trying to be mindful about those thoughts when they do come up I'm doing the Gabby Bernstein 21 day manifestation challenge. And one of the things that she talks about is, and she also talks about this in her book, super attractor, I believe. But one of the things that she talks about is recognizing this negative thought or just a thought that doesn't serve you well. And then instead of not addressing it or questioning it, why it came up, you simply just thank it for coming up because it provided you some awareness into the, into the way that you were thinking and the way that you don't want to continue thinking. And then you thank that thought. Thank you for coming up and showing me what I don't want to do so that I can realign with thoughts that do better serve me. 
that is something that I've been trying to do a lot more often. It is really hard in the day today. I think that's something that takes practice. Like that's why everything, your meditation practice, your yoga practice, everything that I think has this level of spirituality is called a practice instead of something like soccer, football, where it's very much like there's a black and white, you're good, you're not, you play a specific role, you have that title and that is what you do and that's what you're best at. Where when it comes to spirituality, you can be like everything is a little bit more open-ended because there's not necessarily an end goal in sight. It's not like your big awakening is the Super Bowl. You're always on this journey. And I think that that's something that as moms, we need to remember as well. Like for many moms that I know, becoming a mom was one of the most pivotal pivotal moments in their lives when they really were able to honestly come into their own. I think motherhood for so many of us is one of the most amazing experiences and the hardest because you turn into someone that you knew that you likely had in there before, but it's almost like you have this newfound appreciation for yourself that you never really understood before. And it is so empowering to be able to carry a baby in your belly, learn about this little person before you ever meet them, and then be able to have the honor of taking care of them, looking out for them, teaching them things, watching them learn how to walk, talk, use silverware, ask for things. I've taught my kids a little bit of sign language, seeing how happy they get when, you know, and how happy I get when they say something to me out loud, but also in sign language where they're showing me like, look, I remembered what you taught me. Or even saying, mommy, I love you for no reason is so powerful. And that's just like the dopamine that I need nonstop. I also read something recently that resonated so much with me. I have a jealous personality. I always have. And I think that that comes from this like lack feeling that I've also always had of not feeling good enough, of not feeling chosen, of not necessarily feeling seen or earning or hearing or being given the recognition that I think I want at times when I feel like I've put so much into something and I don't get the recognition for it, which I do think has negatively impacted some of my friendships because I do have this underlying projectorness inside of me where I want some of that recognition and sometimes it doesn't always come and that's not because someone doesn't feel it, but it's, you know, it's sometimes just not there. But I think that that's one of those that's something that I've noticed like rise up in me in motherhood. But because I have a jealous personality, I also sometimes honestly feel a little bit jealous when my kids want my husband or when, when I know that they're choosing him over me. And it feels like I do everything for these kids. I'm with you all the time. I birthed you. I nourished you with my own body. Like I know that sounds very dramatic, but sometimes it's hard not to feel that way when they don't want anything to do with me. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? And I just start thinking about, I'm not good enough. If they don't want me, who's going to want me sort of thing. And not that I want anyone to want me, but it's just this, it's just a hard feeling to kind of coincide with the day to day when it's like, I'm needed at work or I feel that I'm needed at work. I'm needed on this call. My opinion is needed on this. Like there's this validation that I think also comes from still working, which was why for me it was important that I go back to work to have some of that validation and recognition that is so important to me as just a whole in my personal but also spiritual journey. And I read something recently that said, I think it was from 
the mom psychologist or something. I'm, I'm kind of butchering this, her name, but there's a woman on Instagram and she basically shares a ton of tips about psychology of mom and being like of mother and parent or sorry, of mother and child. And one of the things that she had written about, which I think was definitely meant for me to see was how it's not appropriate to get jealous if your child wants one of their parents over the other, despite mom, dad, whomever, like parent, parent, doesn't matter. This is like a gender neutral, but what resonated with me is that what she said was basically, it's not your child's job to make you feel comfortable. And I was like, wow, that's a really good point. Like you can imagine when you're, parent has been upset of course you want to help and you want to solve it but there's also this feeling of I'm a kid like this is a lot of pressure for me I shouldn't have to deal with this until you actually become a legitimate adult where I think you can understand those things and truly I don't think you totally understand some of that feeling until you become a parent and you understand all of the things that your parents hopefully did for you which is what I feel now but that was a really powerful message for me to hear and I definitely think it was one that I was meant to see online was like, it's not my child's job to take care of me or to make me feel comfortable, to make me feel secure, to make me feel happy. That onus is on me. As the parent, I have to take ownership and identify the things that I actually need to be my best self. And for me, one of the things that I really realized this maternity leave versus the one with my daughter, with my daughter, I was, I very much had the mindset, like, no one better burst this bubble that I have because I was so happy. I didn't want to look at anything work-related. It was like, this is my time with my baby. You better respect it. I am offline. Don't contact me. And when I did get contacted, like it did bother me. Like, really, you can't just do these few months without me. Instead of thinking it as thinking of it as like, this is an opportunity in a way. Like, yes, I still am on leave. It's not like anyone's asking me to come back early. But my opinion is still needed, warranted, wanted, and that made me feel more frustrated than it did excited about actually being needed or want, or having someone want my opinion for something, knowing that, okay, it's important since they're actually coming to me when I am on leave, but I also think I was kind of one of the first in the office that I'm in over the past multiple years to actually take that love of a leave. And just to be gone for that long. So it was, I think it was a little bit jarring. But the point of this tangent is that I realized this time around that without structure and without a schedule and without things being a certain way, it was very hard for me to find any self-worth in the monotony of the day-to-day of waking up when the baby wakes up, being so exhausted so I wasn't able to wake up before the baby And I probably could have, but when you're up all night with your baby or four or five times and it takes them an hour to fall back asleep, by the time you get to sleep, you're barely clocking four hours of sleep. And I am someone who needs like seven to eight hours of sleep. Nine hours is honestly ideal for me in terms of when I actually wake up feeling my most rested. So that realization is something that I try to think of as a positive instead of like, oh gosh, this is a bummer. I need to be so planned out because I still want to be able to have flexibility in my schedule and just flexibility in how I approach life. But at the same time, I do value routine. I do value 
doing some of the same things day to day, eating some of the same things, going to the coffee shop and getting my black coffee with vanilla sweet cream foam. Like I, I value having the, the monotony of a schedule, but not the monotony in a schedule, if that makes sense. So like I absolutely need to have my day charted out. Sometimes it's stressful when it's like I look at my calendar and it's calls, 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 calls. And it's almost like during the work day, I don't necessarily like the structure as much because I feel a little bit trapped in how many calls I have where I know like I don't have any free time to creatively brainstorm, think, or like do my best, honestly, just like innovative brain work when I'm in calls all day. It's very distracting for me to just look at people virtually all day in calls and not have any time to decompress. So some calls I will just take you know, off camera, but I like being able to, <laughs> this is so backwards, but on my days off, I like to have some structure. I almost feel like useless, worthless. I don't know what to do with myself when I have some sort of a day off and I have no plans. And when it gets to be like 10 or 11, I get this like pending doom feeling of anxiety about, oh my gosh, I wanted to be able to accomplish so much and it's already 1045 and I haven't done any of the things on my list because the kids needed me. I made breakfast. I made the bed. I needed to get them milk. I needed to change my daughter's device or something, anything that actually kind of throws off what I had hoped I would do, even if I had nothing on my schedule, can throw me for a loop. And I think that that's where the flexibility and scheduling comes into play because one thing that moms definitely need to get better at, in my opinion, is the ability to actually listen to our bodies and identify what we actually need versus what we think we need and what we think we need to do because we've been conditioned to think that we should all be go, go, go all the time. You can do it all. You don't need help. Help means that you're incapable of being a good mom. Like those are some of the stigmas that I thought about. Like I have a nanny now and sometimes it's harder than it is easier because sometimes my son does not want me to leave him and he knows exactly how to pull my heartstrings. So when I go upstairs and I hear him screaming downstairs, despite her trying to calm him down, it breaks my heart because I just want to go down and hug him. But today she actually talked to me about something that really just rings back to one of the words that I think I have to focus on in February, which is discipline. And she was basically talking to me about the fact that I'm the weakest link in the family, which made me laugh because I totally blame my husband for being the weakest link. But she pointed some things out to me that I thought were definitely eye-opening because I could see that she was noodling on something when both of the kids were vying for my attention and one of them would throw a fit. So I'd go over and I'd hug them, I'd kiss them, I'd say, it's okay, it's okay, baby, like, mommy's here, I love you. And then the other one would start throwing a tantrum. And of course, I would then go over to that one as well and if the one that I was just holding, I put down or didn't give the same attention to them, they would throw another fit. So now I'm vying, both of them are vying for my attention, throwing fits because they know damn well that I'm going to do whatever I can to stop them from feeling that way or feeling like I'm not choosing them or I'm abandoning them. And kids are so smart. They know exactly what they're doing, whether they can talk or not. And one thing that I feel like is not talked about all the time is that when you are pregnant with your child and you're carrying a baby, your cells and their cells physically like cross the fourth wall 
between you. And you and your baby will carry each other's cells with you for life. But especially the mom will always carry some of her baby cells in her body. That means that the mom is so much more physically, emotionally, and spiritually connected to her children just from that simple fact that it's like, it's like when the mom can hear the baby crying when the TV is blaring loud and you're like, oh, no, I don't think so. And then you turn the TV off and you're like, yep, I knew it. I knew that was my baby crying. Moms just have this instinct. So it's it's very hard to not want to just take all of what they're feeling away or make them feel special and loved. And I'm struggling with that a lot right now. And what she told me is I'm basically giving them an opportunity to use me in a way. And they are pulling all of my energy. And I will sometimes say something to my daughter four times very nicely, like, please go potty. Honey, let's go potty now. Damn, do I ask you to go potty, please? And then by like the fifth or sixth time, I'm like, get on the fucking toilet, go potty, and like figure the fuck out. You're driving me nuts. And obviously I don't talk to her like that, but I get very frustrated because I'm like, why are you not listening to me? Like, how many times do I have to ask you to do something? I'm being so nice. Please just do it. And today, my nanny even said, like, your mommy has asked you something nicely. Let's put your listening ears on, respect your mommy, and go to the bathroom. And then she did. And I was like, that, for me, felt, like, harsh. But also, I was like, this is not harsh. This is literally, this is where I think I'm going to struggle, especially when they're older. It's like, when do you become the parent? When do you become the friend? And I always thought that that line would be so much clearer to me than it has been. And literally, my child is three and one. So it should be clearer now than it will be when they're older. But... Sometimes as a mom, it's really hard to find what that line is because you want to be the disciplinarian. And obviously, like, I don't discipline my child. I'll send them to timeout if it's warranted. But, like, discipline to me is basically I say what I mean and I mean what I say. And I have not been acting upon that very much at all so I will say like please go to the bathroom literally 10 times sometimes before I can actually get my daughter to do it and oftentimes it's like I have to bribe her or she's asking me for something or mommy will you come with me and then I have to drop whatever I'm doing so that she can go do something that I asked her to do that she is very much capable of doing on her own and sometimes I love that she wants me to come with her and I feel so special oh she wants me to be there with her she loves me she wants this is a special time for us both but then other times I'm like I'm almost making it harder on myself because I have this guilt of wanting them to love me of wanting to be a good parent of wanting to be you know of wanting to be someone that they want to be around feeling like I'm supporting them like I'm doing everything in my power to make them feel heard seen supported and so that disciplinary is much harder for me than I anticipated it, that it would be. I think anyone who knows me would tell you that, oh, they're surprised, but like that hard-ass part of me takes a backseat to the like walk all over me because I love you so much. Anything you do is amazing to me and I just want you to love me because that's hard. Like you love your children and when you see them growing and my daughter's gone through so much over the past few months that like I just want her to feel loved and feel happy so like if it, if it means that I have to give up some things for it I'm okay with that but what I think I'm realizing is that I feel like I'm giving up more of myself than I can with what I need to be putting back into myself like my cup for myself is half empty and my cup for them 
is like overflowing, but I can't give from an empty cup. So I need to find a way to balance the scales a little bit more. And I think that's one thing that comes with motherhood and that comes with mom guilt as a whole. It's like, it's really hard. Like if you're working all day, like so many working moms are, it's really hard to be able to, if your child is still at home with you during those working hours, it's so hard to not like just drop what you're doing if they need you or they're crying or they're, you know, there's something. And obviously, like I mentioned, I have a nanny to help me with those things now. But there are still times when I'll go downstairs and I want to help do something or I want to hold him or I want to do this. And I know that I'm not making her job any easier. But I also, if I'm home and my child is home, I want to still be able to engage with them throughout the workday. I think it's much easier if, if I didn't have them home, either of them home during the workday, I think I would feel a lot more productive because I wouldn't feel like I'm having to choose between one or the other. I wouldn't feel, because there is that, there is still that level of like choice. I'm choosing to be up here all day in the office because I have a nanny, but that also means that I'm having no interaction with my son when they are home. Is that going to be damaging? Like there are so many things that come along with that mom guilt. And also I think it's really important to reference that if you are a working mom, quote unquote, like you have an office job or you are a masseuse or whatever the heck your job is, you will still have the mom guilt if you're the work from home parent who is the primary caregiver and who literally is mommy or daddy daycare themselves while your spouse works, especially if your spouse is also working from home, but you know that they're unavailable throughout the day because they, like you, are trying to do their best to balance their life, to be a good partner, to be a good parent, to be a good provider, yada, yada. I think stay-at-home parents are honestly the most underrated superstars because they're not getting any of the validation that you get from like what I get from a corporate job. They don't have someone telling them all day, like their kids are not telling them all day, you're doing such a great job. I love being your child. You're the best parent in the world. This is so rewarding for you, isn't it? Like you're going to get a promotion. You're going to get this. No, there is no better promotion than mom. But also that creates a lot of open-endedness in terms of what is my purpose? What is my vision for the future? How do I better take care of myself? Because I know when I'm home, like I'm not putting on makeup very much, if ever. I'm not getting dressed in actual clothes. I'm throwing on the same sort of yoga gear and comfortable clothes that I do every single day. I'm throwing my hair in a messy bun. If I'm lucky, I'm able to like brush my teeth and put on some face cream or some under eye masks and potentially do some face rolling, like some ice rolling if I'm lucky. But other than that, it's not like when you're a stay-at-home parent, you suddenly have all of this extra time because you don't have this nine to five, quote unquote. No, you're on whenever the heck your babies are up and whenever the heck your babies go to sleep. And that often means that by the time that happens, you're so exhausted that you barely have anything to pull from for yourself. So this is where like that scheduling and that routine for me is super important. And I think being able to identify like five to 15 things that you need for yourself are really important. So when the new year first started, instead of making a list of I need to do all of these things every single day, I did make this mental list of things that I need to be my best self and to show up as my best self as a mom, as a partner, as whatever. And I think that especially when your children are young, it's really hard to also not like lose some of that not that you're going to lose your spark in your marriage, but you need to focus on you 
and obviously your kids. And I think that sometimes it's easy to just say, like, I can't focus on you right now because I need to be my best me or I need to work on me so that we still have this us. And for me, I know, like, I have to focus on myself and my well-being, both mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. So one of, some of those things that I identified for myself that really matter are finding time for meditation. And thank her sweet soul. My daughter loves to meditate with me. So we'll hold hands, we'll shut our eyes, we'll do our deep breathing together, and then at the end, we'll put our hands in prayer position, we'll nod our heads and we'll say namaste, and sometimes we'll touch noses and then smile and love each other, and it's the sweetest thing ever. But though meditating is something that if I can't do it every day, I need to at least do it multiple times a week. On a good day, I would be able to meditate in the morning and at night. Working out is super important for me. I'm having this really bad shoulder and neck pain lately, so I haven't been able to do some of the things that I wanted to do, but I still will find time to use my Peloton bike or to get some ab workouts in or, you know, to try to do some weights or something. But moving my body is something that is absolutely critical for me to feel my best because it also usually helps me get my best sleep. I need to do something for my face. Like, I have to do either reflexology with a tool that I have. I have to do gua sha. I have to do some sort of a face routine morning and night, absolutely putting on sunscreen every single day is super critical. And then I love just the feeling and the smell and the energy that it gives me when I'm able to just make my coffee in the morning or when I stop at Starbucks after dropping my daughter off at daycare and pick up my own coffee. The act of getting a coffee out for some reason is just, it feels so magical to me. I don't know why. It's, it honestly reminds me of a few moments in time in my life where I felt like things were just really peaceful. One of them was after um, Tent City, which is an event that our family friends always hosted during Memorial Day, where we would camp out in tents in the backyard and it was basically just a weekend long drinking, eating, swimming fest. And then everyone camped out in tents at night like we were all a bunch of big kids, which basically everyone is. And then in the morning, we would walk downtown Willow Glen, go get coffees, and then walk back. And that for me made me feel like, I guess like I was adulting, but also it was just such a fun experience to be able to have the privilege to go and get a coffee and then move on with your day. It just felt like this is the right way to start your day. You're getting some movement by being outside. And so even if the only time I can get outside during the entire day of calls is to go and get my coffee, I will try to prioritize it because it feels good to me. And I think that that's something, as you think about the tasks that you have before you, or as you think about the things that matter, think about the things that make you feel good and actually sit and noodle on those. Like what makes you feel good? Coffee makes me feel good. Lighting a candle when I meditate makes me feel good. Being able to take care of my skin makes me feel good. Getting a lot of sleep makes me feel good. Buying pretty journals. Like if I'm going to journal, it can't be in some torn up, beat down journal that's falling apart at the seams. I want it to be something that's pretty to look at so that I want to pick it up every morning or so that I want to pick it up every evening. That's super, super critical for me. Visually appealing is a must. If it's not visually appealing, I don't want any part of it. I, it needs to look pretty so that it gives me, so that it makes me excited. And then also, I think I've talked about this in a previous episode, but the idea of stacking is something that I learned 
from Tiffany Wendu, and she was my, basically like my wellness slash life coach um, for a few months, and that was such a fun experience. I loved working with her, but what she taught me about stacking is how important it is to be able to start being realistic with yourself. That's a huge key point. Be realistic with yourself about what you can actually add to your morning or nighttime routine that doesn't feel so overwhelming that the thought of actually doing it just cripples you and gives you this additional anxiety that you don't need. So that can be waking up and having an eight ounce glass of water, taking your vitamins, and then sitting for five minutes and doing breathing. That can be having a sip of water, making your coffee and meditating. That could be stretching for 10 minutes, not looking at your phone, doing your facial gua sha, and then making a cup of coffee before you do XYZ. I also wanna be very mindful that if you are a mom, especially with young children, your stacking routine is gonna have, it, it is unlikely to happen before your child is up unless you wake up at the crack of dawn, which if you do, I applaud you for that because that's one of my goals. But figure out ways that you can stack things throughout your day where you don't feel so overwhelmed if you don't get them done by a certain time. I think another thing as moms to consider is just like I was talking about the yoga practice or the meditation practice and things that are called practice, it's because there is no perfection. The idea of the reason why I think it's so special that things are called a practice is because instead of thinking about there's this end goal, it's more open-ended, like your spirituality has no bounds. Your love for self and your self-exploration has no bounds. The purpose that you hopefully find by incorporating some of your self-care routines should know no bounds. Just because you find a good routine doesn't mean that you might not love adding something on or you might not love switching it up every once in a while. So I think if there's one thing that I've kind of learned this week alone, it's that it's okay to feel like you're failing at times because that might be your reality in the moment. And something that continuously helps me get out of that headspace is reading and or listening to other people that, and I don't, I don't mean this in the way that like listening to other people's struggles really makes me feel a whole hell of a lot better because I don't mean it in that way, even though I do. Because I love being able to listen to other people who have figured some of their own shit out. Like, I find that to be a very attractive quality. When I'm listening to a podcast and I feel like someone, man or woman, who has struggled with something in the past and then said, this struggle is bullshit. I'm over it. I need to change something about my life so that I don't feel this way anymore. What do I need to incorporate? And they've actually done the work. I think doing the work is something that is so important. It is impossible to one day say, I feel depressed, I feel anxious, I feel sad. I don't feel like I know my worth or my value. And then the next day I wake up and be like, oh gosh, that was just a fleeting moment. I'm glad I don't feel that way anymore. Because you haven't uncovered anything about the root of what made you feel that way. Like I am aware enough, the first step is becoming aware. I am aware enough about myself at this point in time to know where I have areas that I can work on as a parent, as a mom. And... That's very hard to acknowledge, but it also makes me feel like I have this huge opportunity ahead to A, set some boundaries, set some discipline, and do what I say and mean what I do. And I think that that's something that if you don't have that awareness, if you're not able to say, 
you know, I've really been giving so much of myself and I feel absolutely drained and I've done nothing for myself in six months. Like I haven't gotten a pedicure, I haven't gotten a facial, I haven't gotten a massage, I haven't read a book for myself just because it would make me feel good, I haven't taken a bath, I haven't taken care of my skin, gone to the dentist, like any of those things. Taking care of yourself in whatever frame that might be for you is hugely critical to being able to show up as the best parent that you possibly can be. I think following accounts, if you're on social media, following accounts that actually encourage you to be your best self and reframe your thinking can just be those subtle reminders that almost come across as subconscious. Don't follow accounts that don't make you feel good. Like go through and purge the accounts that make you feel bad about yourself or that just don't serve you or that you feel like you're looking at someone else's life that feels like, wow, this is so far removed from me. I'm no longer out at clubs. I'm not partying. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that because it immediately just puts you in that black mindset. It's very helpful, at least for me, to be able to identify when I'm scrolling through social media, things that are lifting me up, making me feel more positive, increasing my vibration, making me feel like, oh, I'm, this is a helpful tool. This is a helpful tip. Oh, I never would have thought about that. I am so curious these days about every type of tool, technique, opportunity, chance to learn, experience, you know, feedback, guidance, that I am so open to any and all, I guess, feedback from others and from the universe and being able to tune into what I think the signs are, that I think that it's really important that you kind of frame how you want to live your life based on what you think is going to most benefit you in the future and stop putting it off. It's, I'm reading this new book right now and one of the things that actually really stuck with me is like, do you want to be old and gray and wrinkly thinking, I wish I would have just made some of those changes because those changes were met with fear because I knew that they would be hard to make? Or do you want to go onto your deathbed feeling like, I'm so glad I was courageous enough in my 30s to take the chance because going through those moments of fear pushed me into the best person that I could possibly be. And I can say that I, I didn't let fear own my life. And I think that's something that when I made courage my theme of the month is I don't want to be owned by fear. I want to own fear. I want to look it in the face and say, this is fucking hard, but I'm going to get through it because I owe it to myself and because I love myself and I will prove to myself that I am worth putting the time and energy into. And if you hadn't felt that way before this episode, I sure as hell hope that you do now.